Uh, if you missed the last two weeks, Q and Brad, Brooke's husband, taught on Begin With Prayer and Serve in Story. And if you didn't listen to that, that's okay. Just go check out our podcast and you can go back. I would highly encourage you to do that. Uh, it was really powerful stories. Brad talking about some of his personal story with adoption. Um, I know that was impactful. And Q talking about your Tia and just the power that a life lived for Jesus can have in transforming the people around you. I'm also super glad you didn't poop your pants on stage. And if you don't know what that's about, go listen to the podcast. You'll understand. <laughs> he did afterwards. Q is an open book. So tonight, a little bit out of order, which is actually good. Listen and eat. This isn't like a linear model that you just walk in a straight line. Again, it's just an acronym, just a way for you to remember. So we're, tonight we're going to talk about the two words, listen and eat. So listen, uh, th the idea is this, that as a follower of Jesus, we should be, with listening, we should be seeking to understand people, not to be understood, okay? So as a listener, someone who listens like Jesus, you want to understand, not to be understood. Okay, that's the primary concept of listen. Uh, a philosopher once said, we have two ears and one mouth, so we can listen twice as much as we speak. And I think that's so true. Um, growing up, I was a terrible listener. It's like I had two mouths and one ear. <laughs> In my, <laughs> hey, I have four kids, so I am allowed to use dad jokes in my teaching, and I will. Uh, like I said, growing up, I was a terrible listener, so we'll fast forward. In my young adult years, when I was about 21, Jesus got a hold of my life and really transformed who I was, um, transformed so much about me. And one thing that I realized, and as I've reflected on this idea and looked back, is that I couldn't listen and I can't listen well to others until I could listen well to God's voice in my own life. So I learned how to listen to God through people, through scripture, through nature, and more. And this prepared me to be a better listener to the people around me. This prepared me to, to listen better in my marriage. This prepared me to listen better as a parent. And notice I said better and not perfect, because my kids and wife who are here <laughs> would be quick to tell you that I still have room to grow as a listener. Right, fam? Yeah. Listening is so very important, especially in significant moments of joy and pain in people's lives. So about 10 years ago, my dad died, and it was a very short battle with brain cancer. And something that has stuck with me f since then very profoundly, it was the people that showed up just to sit with me and to listen, the ones that didn't say any words at all. Those were the most helpful in my time of pain. And like I said, that's something that I'll never forget. That's, that's etched in my memory. For the last decade or so, and even going back to when I was a 17-year-old, um, I've traveled to a different community and culture in Jamaica, learning more about truly listening from people who are deaf than maybe anything I've learned from a hearing person. I learned how to listen more actively, to be engaged with my whole self, to use all of my senses in listening. I learned that listening is a mindset and it's a posture. 
And then from Jesus, the greatest teacher of all, I've learned one of the best ways to listen is to ask good questions. And if anyone knows me at all, they would probably affirm that I like to ask questions. So that's a, that's a little bit about listen. Eat. Now, this part of the blessed model is my favorite. As you can, as you can tell, I haven't missed too many meals. Um, share. <laughs> oh, hi, Sarah and Andrew. I know I recognize that laugh. Sh We've shared a few meals together, haven't we? Sh shared meals are a simple, biblical, and powerful way to be missional. And there's also some powerful science behind the connection between eating and our relationships. Uh, researchers from the University of Oxford discovered that shared meals make us feel connected and promote bonding. That's cool. Uh, a shared meal is one of the best ways to boost endorphins, and or endorphins make us happy. When we eat together, it actually reduces stress in our body. Anyone stressed out this week? Any finals people? Okay, just eat more. <laughs> people, <laughs> say Carter told you so. People who eat often with others feel more connected and at ease in their personal relationships. The study discovered that those who eat together socially find it easier to trust others and engage in their community. Those are two pretty important words, trust and engage. They also felt like they had more dependable friendships. That's interesting. Uh, author Alice Julier argues that eating together can radically shift people's perspectives as well. She says that it reduces people's perceptions of inequality and they tend to view those of different races, genders, and socioeconomic backgrounds as more equal than they would in other social scenarios. And we are the worst. And by we, I mean Americans. Americans rarely eat together anymore. Get this. The average American eats one in every five meals in their car. I'm looking at you, Kristeth. And one, and one in four Americans eats at least one fast food meal every single day. Where's Elliot? I'm just kidding. Elliot, Elliot actually eats really good, but usually once every two weeks, Elliot's like, hey, you want to go to Taco Bell? And I'm like, no, but yeah, let's go. And then my wife is like, why'd you go to Taco Bell again? And I was like, because I'm working on my listening. Um... <laughs> So yeah, Americans, we're not great at this. And I've seen this lived out in my life. I've, I've been really lucky in, in my job working in a church to travel all around the world. Um, I've experienced many different cultures and this is true in almost every single culture where I've gone and eaten meals with people. Almost every other culture treats eating meals together as a sacred time. I'm also thankful that I grew up in a large Danish family. Anyone in here Danish? I got a lot of Dutch in the room. You're Danish? Yeah, let's talk afterwards. <clears throat> so food was like at the center of every, everything we did, every event. Every gathering revolved around the food. At Christmas, we, we would even hide an almond in the dessert. It's weird. But if you found it, you won a prize. So that was fun. I also grew up a Lutheran. Any Lutherans in the house? Peace be with you. Wow, that's so good. <clears throat> So, and I'm going to get a lot of amens here, I hope. Potlucks were our thing, right? Like, Lutherans know potlucks. And if you don't know what a potluck, in a church basement, if you, don't know what a, if you don't know what a potluck is, everyone just brings 
their favorite weird food creation to share. And everyone puts it on long serving tables and then we all eat and then we go do the thing like decorate the Christmas tree or you know, have a, have a church meeting, we vote on something, I don't know. But <laughs> we did a lot of voting, I don't know. Every, everything for a Lutheran is a reason for a potluck. And they especially love potlucks that have jello. And if jello has other food in the jello, don't even get me started on that. It's unbelievable. Uh, I also worked as a general manager in fast food at Taco Bell, which is so ironic. I can't believe I go back there and eat. And Long John Silver's, which is like, it's a, it's a once, and I, I mean, for most people it is once, like once in a lifetime experience. <clears throat> but man, I ate there a lot. <sighs> Sorry, Jody, also. All those times I came home just covered in fish batter. Oh man, I had to have smelled so bad. It's amazing that we're still married. <laughs> we are. We also just celebrated 17 years of marriage. So, so working, in a, working in a food restaurant, and hopefully most of you had this experience, I feel like it should be required as a human being on earth that you should work in food service. Man, I learned so much about eating and listening. So many stories from that season of my life. I also know that one of my spiritual gifts is hospitality. And so that means I enjoy having people like in my space, which in, for me is my house, uh, to come over and break bread in my home. So we've always used our home as a place to be welcoming and to show God's love, and food is often at the center of that. So that's just a little bit of, of my story around listening and, and eating. Um, but I want to turn the corner. I want to look at, look at a story here uh, in Luke's gospel, at the end of Luke's gospel, that involves some listening and eating. And you might find it familiar because we just celebrated Easter. So this is right, right up to Easter. Um, so Luke 24, we'll start in verse 1. Follow along. I, there's some pencils down there too. Uh, so if you want to mark up the Bibles, you are, that is not sacrilegious or blasphemous here. You can do that. Also, if you don't have a Bible, it's yours. It's a gift. Just take it with you. Okay. Okay. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And this is just an important note here. The two of them referenced here are not the women 
who found the empty tomb of Peter. It's two different people. Also, seven miles is a pretty decent distance to walk. Um, I, I Google mapped it. It'd be like walking from this room to Four Queens and back, which I know some of you would actually do, even in the cold and rain, which I also don't get because Dairy Queen is better, and you know I'm right, so. Oh boy, hot button. So anyway, seven miles, that's a, long, that's a long walk. So they are walking along here, verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened, the trial and the crucifixion of Jesus, right? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. They were walking along and having a conversation. See, some listening was likely taking place. And then Jesus shows up and is walking alongside them. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? What did Jesus just do here? He asked a question. Five points to you guys. Jesus asked them a question. What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Kind of a sarcastic response, right? What things, Jesus asked. Another question. And here's the thing. Jesus doesn't ask the questions because he doesn't know the answer. He asks because he genuinely wants to know what people are thinking. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Another question from Jesus. In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. It's a good thing they have in seven, seven miles to walk, right? Like, that's kind of a joke. He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So everything that the, <laughs> the Old Testament said about Jesus, which is a lot, so, yeah, they had seven miles to talk about it. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. They invited Jesus in to come and share a meal with them. Jesus walked alongside them. He asked good questions. He listened intently to them. And then, guess what? He had the opportunity to share his story, the greatest story ever, the good news of the Messiah. When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Highlight, circle, remember that word, then. Why did they recognize him then? This isn't rhetorical. I want you to think about this. 
Why did they recognize him then? What happened before the then? What? They broke the bread. He broke the bread. What else? The answer is right there. This is like open book test in, in your finals. Broke, broke the bread, gave thanks, gave it to them. Where have you heard this? The Last Supper. Did, and did that happen recently? Yeah, like four days ago. So they, they might have noticed this, right? Bing. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked with, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they knew something was going on even though they didn't recognize Jesus on the road. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11, the apostles, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon, Peter that is. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them like a good Lutheran, I might add, and said to them, peace be with you. And they responded, also with you. They didn't respond. I, they, they just listened. Actually, they were startled and frightened. <laughs> Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Jesus asked another profound question. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. As you see, I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Interesting question. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Again, another question from Jesus. Do you have anything here to eat? Then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And this is, a, this is another key moment here. Remember, there's a difference between listening and understanding. And right now they are going from listening to understanding. He told them, this is what, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. See, because of what happened here recorded in Luke's gospel, a resurrected Jesus living among the people, we should want nothing more than to live like he did, right? And that's my challenge to you tonight, like I said at the beginning, as you leave this place into whatever's next for you, can you use these simple-to-remember missional practices 
of prayer, listening, eating, serving, and story to help other people experience and encounter the resurrected Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come up now, and I want to invite you to do something with me while they make their way up here. We're going to take a, f a few minutes here. Uh, I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes where you sit. Take a few deep breaths. And I want you to think about yourself and about these mis missional practices that we talked about tonight of listening and eating together. And I'm going to lead you in a few reflection questions along with some simple honest prayers. So if, if you don't have your eyes closed, go ahead and do that now. And I want, to pick, I want you to picture yourself walking on a road, a familiar road to you. Picture yourself walking there. And you look to your left, and there you see the resurrected Jesus with scars in his hands, scars in his feet, and he's walking right alongside you on the road. He turns toward you while you're walking, ready to listen. Lord Jesus, am I a good listener to the people around me? Lord, please help me where and when I'm not a good listener. Help me show up like you did in this story and walk alongside people in their pain and their joy. Help me to ask good questions. Help me to desire to understand others rather than being understood. Lord Jesus, do I need someone to listen to me in my current joy or pain? Do I need someone to listen to me in my current joy or pain? And Jesus, help me ask for help. And help people see me in my hurting. Thank you for always being there to listen to me. Lord Jesus, am I good at inviting people to my table to break bread, to share a meal? Will you help me be more open and inviting? Will you help me be like the people in this story who spent time with you, saw a need, and met it with a simple invitation to break bread together? Lord Jesus, do I desperately need someone to invite me to their table to break bread? Will you help me be seen? I need an invitation.
Lord Jesus, is there sin in my life that I need to confess to you and ask for your forgiveness right now? Jesus, help me to have the courage to be honest with you right now. I know I can't hide anything from you anyways. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice of your body and blood for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for defeating death and giving me everlasting life. Amen.